This is Ashley, and this is School on Life, a weekly podcast about life, love, and occasionally libations. This week, in our mentor moment, I wanted to share six career-related phrases to stop using immediately. They are, I'm resilient. I'm flexible. I'm a team player. I'm a continuous learner. I'm versatile. I'm ambitious. These phrases do not help high achieving professional women position themselves as experts. And quite frankly, they're not doing what you think they're doing. For example, when you tell an employer that you're resilient, what you're really telling them is that you'll put up with being overworked and underpaid and not complain. That no matter how poorly they treat you, you'll deal with it because you're resilient. (laughs) And if that's not the message that you wanna be sending, stop saying you're resilient, particularly as it relates to your career. Another example, when you tell an employer, I'm flexible, what you really may be telling them is that they don't have to respect your boundaries and you'll do whatever, whenever, and that their wish is your command. Is that the truth that you're flexible or is that what you think you need to say to keep or get the job? Language matters. Words mean things. And so I really want to invite you to be thoughtful about the things that you're saying at work, as it relates to your career, as it relates to your skill set, as it relates to your knowledge, because these words can diminish and relinquish the power and the expertise that we really have with employers. And I posted something about this sort of similar to this on social media over the last week. And I got a lot of pushback. One particular commenter was like, but I am resilient and people need to know that I was forged through the fire. I I got up out the ashes and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, good for you, sis. But that is not the framework from which I mentor. I am not inviting women, Black women in particular, to get it out the mud. That may be your story, but you don't have to continue to get it out the mud. Ease is available to you. And that's one of the things that I am constantly reminding my mentees. And I'm constantly hoping that high achieving women will connect with me around that work can center ease, that work can center center you being paid well and not feeling overwhelmed and overworked in that experience. And so you can be resiliencist, you can be a lifelong learner, but you don't have to say that at work (laughs) because it's not adding um, value. And when we talk at work, we really want to be centering the value add. And if you are like, edges gathered, duly noted, but you're now like, okay, so actually then what do I do say? Because these are the words I've been using. And obviously you told me not to use them, but I can't be mute at work. So what to do? This is a good sign that you need a mentor, right? Like if you're constantly using these words and feel devalued at work and recognize like, oh, then maybe this is why it's time to work with a mentor. I'm accepting new mentees this month in March, super excited to invite 15 new women into my accelerator program. So if you're a high achieving professional woman who works in corporate nonprofit and education, leadership and you know that you feel stuck around your career, particularly around how to position yourself as an expert and stop using language and positioning that has you trapped, then I am excited to serve you. You can apply to work with me on my website at mentor-me.org and I look forward to serving you. Next up and I digress, I am thrilled to welcome the CEO and founder of Journey Therapy Center, Tiffany Walker. Journey Therapy Center specializes in providing high quality counseling and consultation services to individuals and organizations, particularly those who identify and or serve marginalized communities. 
Tiffany is an expert, licensed professional in the mental health space. And when you choose Journey Therapy Center and her work, you're taking the first step on the road to wellness. Thrilled to have her as a guest on School and Life today. Welcome, Tiffany. Thank you for having me, Ashley. I'm so excited. Yes, so, so excited thrilled to be, to, here. to be in community with you and so excited to share your expertise with my audience. So first, I want to talk about the practice of therapy, right? You um, are an expert in this space. And so I want to have you help my listeners understand what are some signs that it might be time to consider therapy as a need in their mental health journey? Great question, Ashley. I first want to start off by saying I think there are a couple of things I want to dismantle or even destigmatize about therapy. Of course, there are some signs and some symptoms that I want your audience and anybody listening to be aware of as it relates to, wow, I really need help, right? But I think one of the biggest stigmatizations around therapy is the fact that people have to actually be in crisis in order to go to therapy. So I think therapy is a great tool to help people identify core values, to help them learn how to establish boundaries. It is a great tool to be proactive when you are going through a major life transition or even a career transition. So perhaps you're preparing to have children or you're in a relationship and it's really, really healthy and you're planning to do life with this particular partner, that is still an opportunity to see therapy, right? A lot of times we look for the red flags before we seek therapy, but I think it's super important that we remind folks that if there's some green flags going on in your life, therapy is a great time to lean into those positive things and to get support to maintain your wellness. As it relates to some of those green flags or even those yellow flags, I think it's so fitting that you asked this question because earlier you were talking about some of the buzzwords that individuals use in their career, and you mentioned resilience and flexibility in a team player. Resilience is a trauma response for a lot of us, particularly Black women, and we don't talk about that a lot. And so oftentimes when I find that women of color are talking about this level of resilience they've developed, they've not been able to really center it around or process that they've developed these skills as a result of traumatic experience, right? So perhaps you had to get it out the mud because you were over-parentified as a child or you didn't have community. So you really leaned in on yourself and you developed this super interdependence, or perhaps you are used to experiencing emotional or verbal abuse or feeling isolated, and that shows up in the workplace as resilience, but it's really been a skill that you've developed as a result of your trauma. And so I really support and want to work with women on reframing that because while resilience has a place and it's a skill that we develop and it can be a strength, there are opportunities to reframe that and then center ease into the work that we do. So if anyone's experiencing feelings of isolation, if you find yourself so angry and resentful to the point that you are having a hard time showing up for work, showing up in a relationship, showing up in school, it might be a great time to seek a therapist. I use the live, love, learn, laugh approach when I talk about therapy and a mental illness. And I say a mental health issue is anything that impacts your ability to live, to love, to laugh, and to learn, right? And so that means, am I having a hard time getting up every day, washing my hair, beating my face, showing up to celebrate my friends? That's how I live. 
Am I able to concentrate at work? Can I get through a new task? Am I excited to learn something new, right? That impacts how we learn. Do I enjoy pleasure? And I'm not just talking about the intimacy that happens when you get down with the get down with your partner. I'm talking about when you're with your friends and your family, do you enjoy being there? Or are you just there because you feel an obligation to, right? The ability to enjoy and experience pleasure around all domains of our life. So those are the things that I really, really want us to center our wellness around. So good, Tiffany. And listen, I was over here taking notes. I hope y'all got y'all pens and pencils out also. What I heard you say and that I thought was particularly powerful is that you don't have to be in crisis to seek out therapy, right? Like premarital counseling, that's a happy and blissful time in your life, but that's a time to see therapy. Life transitions, you just got a new job. Great, go to therapy. Like, and, and it's a good thing. You're making more money now, but like the mindset shifts from when you get a $40,000 salary increase, shout out to my mentees, right? You get that 40, 50, 60, $80,000 salary increase. Now you're dealing with... <clears throat> new mindset issues or now your family's leaning on you more financially and what does that do to you're now the breadwinner when you weren't before and maybe you have a poverty mindset like there's just so much and so I really love that you talked about the life transition piece I think that that is really beautiful and you talked about that from the framework that that's a myth that you have to be in crisis to go to therapy so let's talk about some other myths right what are some other common myths about therapy or the therapy experience that you want to debunk in today's conversation let's choose two Mm. Great question. So this is a myth and the other therapist girls might want to tussle with me after this, but I'm so okay with that. The myth is that the therapist is the expert, right? Yes, I am the expert as it pertains to clinical mental health, but my client is the expert in their lives. And I think a lot of times folks are a little hesitant to show up in therapy because they think my therapist is going to tell me what to do. They know everything. That's not the case. That should not be the case. That's not a very client-centered approach. In my experience and in my work, I honor my client as you are the expert in your life. Your experience are real. Your feelings are real. How you choose to narrate your story is real. And you are inviting me to co-pilot with you and to help you identify new goals, new values, set boundaries, reframe your thinking along with your priorities, not mine. And this can be really challenging for people. It can be really challenging for therapists. It can be really challenging for clients because sometimes we have folks show up for therapy and they are making decisions or they're navigating career choices or life choices that we might not necessarily agree with as the clinician. And we have to do our due diligence to really evaluate what kind of harm is happening and stand firm in the fact that, hey, listen, I might not like my client's partner, but if they decided that this is the best relationship for them and they want to stay in their relationship, it's not my job to tell them that they have to leave. It's my job as their therapist to support them staying in this relationship and maintaining their wellness at that. I have to honor the fact that they are the expert in their lives. And right now they are committed to believing that this is the best choice for them. A lot of folks don't like that. The girls might want to tussle with me later, but I stand by that. And I think that's why folks are afraid to come to therapy because a lot of people make decisions in their lives, especially when it comes to money, especially when it comes to children, when it comes to family, when it comes to relationships and romances that folks don't agree with. And in looking for someone to be in agreement with you, you could be afraid to show up to therapy because your thought is going to be like, dang, my therapist is going to tell me I should leave him. Dang, my therapist should tell me that I should cut off my mother, right? 
maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't, but that's not the decision for me to make. So the biggest myth that I want to debunk is that the therapist is the expert in the client's life. No, I'm the expert in mental health. You are the expert in your life. That is, that is so good. And man, like, so if you were going to come on my podcast and call me out, I wish you would have sent me an email before time. Cause I'm constantly in therapy. Like, I wonder what you think. <laughs> or like, let me ask my therapist. It's like, what would Jesus do? What would your therapist say? <laughs> but yes, it's so good. And I think that what resonating with me, Tiffany, is that like, it's a partnership. Like you pay them, right. To like be an expert in what they're in. You borrow their expertise, you glean their expertise, but then you apply their expertise in your life because that's where you're the expert. And so I want to dive into that a little bit more. Like, can you talk about the work that's required outside of the hour or the 55 minutes, right? That you're in therapy. Like what's the work that's required by a person in therapy to actually ensure that they're seeing the changes that they desire in their life based on why they sought therapy out in the first place. Let me give you an example. Let's say there's somebody who is dealing with a relationship issue, right? And they're unhappy in their relationship and they're not sure. And and they came to therapy because they're unhappy and they're not sure what to do in the relationship. As a part of the therapeutic process, you're asking questions, you're sort of talking about what's going on with them, but what's the work that they would have to do outside of that time with you to really make sure that they're seeing the changes they desire in their own lives? That's a really good question. And it actually ties into the second myth that there's a time frame for when you get through with therapy. And I think a lot of that is centered around just the healthcare field. But I, I'll digress. I don't want to go down that, that rabbit hole, but you need commitment and you need patience. So one of the things is you need to be committed to the process. And sometimes that also means being committed to establishing a rapport with your therapist. And so by any means, if by the third session, there's not a good fit there, you're not really feeling it. One, you need to say that to your therapist. You need to explore what's going on. And if you need to do to find a new therapist, that's okay, right? But you need commitment to the process. And we really need patience. Life happens in seasons. And so sometimes we clients will come into therapy and they have this one issue that's facing them, right? Getting ready to take this job and I'm getting a $50,000 increase and I've never made this amount of money before. And I just want to know how to deal with this job so that I can successfully manage my new role and my responsibilities and my income. And that looks linear to you, but from the holistic perspective, I recognize and I know as the clinical expert that there are lots of things that contributed to the mindset and the habits you have right now, your experiences around money, your experiences around responsibility, your experiences around success, your experiences in previous workplaces, right? A lot of people, particularly Black women of color, high achieving Black women of color, have so much workplace trauma that they're bringing into new positions. And so we're looking at it from this linear focus of, oh, I'm going to go to therapy because I'm transitioning into this new job and I want to get ready for it in the next six to seven weeks. And then your expectation is that in six to seven weeks, you'll be okay. But in going through that process, you might find out that, wow, I'm super afraid to make this amount of money because no one else in my community has ever made this amount of money before. And now I have to manage the stressors and the pressure that comes with having survivor's remorse because now folks are looking to me to support them and to help them. And I don't know how to set boundaries. That has nothing to do with the job, right? So we can't fix that in seven weeks. It might take six months. 
And while you're in therapy for one issue, life continues to happen. And so on the flip side of that, you could be really excited about a joyous time, right? You're happy with your new job. You're making more money. You're dealing with the mindsets around it. You're planning a wedding. And then perhaps you experience a loss. And that completely shifts your world. So while you might have thought you went into therapy for one thing, now you're recognizing, hey, I can use support in this other thing as well. And while some of the skills you learn will be transferable, sometimes it's just nice to have an objective party or someone who you really identify as your support system to help you process and regulate all the emotions that come with constant changes. Yeah, what's interesting is that it it all really does tie together that you might come in for some very acute and specific issue, but as you're going through the therapeutic process, there's going to be other work that you are going to have to do, other things that you might process, and then life is still happening. So like there might be other things that now come up where you have to address them with your therapist or need some guidance and support in that space. And so I think that we've helped my audience definitely sort of see the sign that it might be time for therapy, green flags and red flags, um, understand what some of the common myths are that might keep them out of therapy, but maybe they need to now reconsider now that that's been debunked and what, as well as recognize that there's work to do, right? There's work to do outside of therapy to get the, the, to, to have continuous growth and development that they desire. And so I think we've thoroughly sort of review the idea that therapy might be a good next step, right? And so how might, what's the first step in in finding um, a therapist? I know obviously they could come to you if they're in New Jersey and be served by you and, and your clinicians, but can you talk about for those who might live in any of the other uh, 49 states and territories or other places outside of the country where they might start their journey into therapy? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there are a couple of things that I tell individuals that they should always consider, right? So one, consider making sure that you are seeking a licensed mental health professional. I think there is room to have lots of ways to get support. I don't desire to be a gatekeeper of healing. So that might look like a mentor. It might look like a spiritual advisor. It might look like a career coach and therapy, right? And so in identifying that you also want to include therapy, make sure that you are looking for a licensed mental health professional. So someone who has either a licensed clinical social worker like myself or a licensed social worker or an LMFT, a licensed marriage and family therapist or LPC, all kinds of acronyms, but those acronyms ensure that that person is licensed and they have a certificate that is governed by their state and their board of professionals that holds them to ethical work. The second thing you really want to consider is the demographics of your therapist, not necessarily the demographics of you, but what do you want in a therapist? Do you want a woman? Do you want a black woman? Do you want a Hispanic woman? Do you want a man? Do you want somebody who is queer allied? Do you want someone who is a Christian? All of those things are really important. And you can do a self inventory to decide, hey, this is the kind of person that I want to meet with because I believe they'll see me best. Identify that information and then begin to think about accessibility and affordability, right? Do I want to see one in person? Do I want to see one via telehealth? Am I comfortable with only telehealth telehealth sessions? Right now, most therapists are providing virtual services. And because of the way the pandemic is fluctuating, it's going to be like this for a while. And so that also opens up lots of opportunities. You can have a therapist who lives in California and they might be licensed in New Jersey or they might be licensed in Kentucky. And if you're okay with virtual services and you have no desire or you don't foresee yourself wanting in-person services, having a therapist in California is not going to be an issue. 
Then there's this idea around affordability, which I know is really sensitive for a lot of people. And that depends on whether or not you want to use insurance, whether or not your therapist accepts insurance. Many therapists do not. Some do. At Journey Therapy Center, we are a cash pay private practice, really because oftentimes people of color are misdiagnosed. And a lot of times insurance companies get to dictate what treatments looks like. And so to ensure that we are really meeting the needs of our clients ethically and holistically without having to diagnose if it's not necessary. necessary. Of course, if it's necessary, we will. We opt to not accept insurance. But there are ways around that. There are out-of-network benefits, talking to your insurance company and finding out if you see a therapist who does not accept insurance Will they reimburse you for a portion of the fees? Looking at your budget and identifying, hey, I think this is a high value. This is a high priority. I'm willing to spend X amount of dollars per month. I might need to make temporary adjustments and then saying, okay, this therapist meets my needs. It's a good match. Calling your therapist, sending out an email. I always say to people, please be patient with therapists right now. The demand is high and the capacity is decreasing because the demand is really high. So if you leave, if you give a call, please leave a voice message. We don't know if you called us if you didn't leave a voice message or you didn't leave a note with the answering service. Allow 24 to 48 hours with a response. Set up and check your voicemail as a client. A lot of times we call clients back and we leave messages, but they don't set up voicemails so they don't know they've been contacted back, responding to emails. And if your therapist offers a 10 to 15 minute free consultation, that is a great time to ask all of these questions. Hey, are you a woman? Are you a black woman? Are you a Christian? Are you queer ally? Do you accept insurance? What's your approach? I'm really looking for support around X, Y, and Z. Do you have experience in that? Or if this is something new, how are you going to make sure you're supporting yourself and supporting me? It's an interview process. It's like a relationship. It takes some time and it takes a lot of work, but they're out there. We're out there and we are looking forward to serving people who are committed to their wellness journey. Thank you, Tiffany. That was really comprehensive. So licensure, identity, accessibility, and affordability are all checks you want to balance um, to make sure that you are finding the right therapeutic uh, professional for you. So Tiffany, where can my audience keep up with you? Where can they find you and your work? Yes. So they can find us on Instagram, Journey Therapy Center. We're on Facebook, Journey Therapy Center. We're on LinkedIn, where we post lots of updates about our work and our programs and our partnerships. They can visit our website, www.journeytc.org and sign up for newsletters and events and stay connected. Thank you so much. And thank you for um, serving as a guest. I feel like I learned so much from you. Like Lisa, I have a half page of notes. So thank you for sharing your expertise with the School and Life audience. So last but not least is TVT. And this week, I want to talk about the um, season, the recent season of Law and Order. If you know anything about me, that Law and Order is one of my absolute um, favorite TV shows, every version, right? Law and Order Criminal Intent, Law and Order SVU, Olivia Benson is my my bestie and the regular law and order is also like the jam right like it's also one of my faves but the most recent season of law and order is out and I think this is season 22 or 23 it's like one of the longest run television shows ever and this season Anthony Anderson from famed blackish 
is a detective. Detective Kevin Bernard is what he's playing on the show. He uh, is kind of like this scrap he's playing like this kind of like scrappy detective who's like aware that he's black and like sort of protective of black suspects but also is trying to like be cool with his white vainly racist partner and it's not giving it's not giving what I think law and order wants it to give I just like Anthony Anderson I actually think is a very good actor I loved him on Blackish. I feel like I'm sure I've seen him in other things and have enjoyed him. But this character on Law and Order, I feel like he sounds like he's reading the script. Like he sounds like it's like, the jokes are flat. It's like the joke come like a second too late. It's like he needs Diane from Blackish to, 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 to tutor him. Like Diane always was hidden with the jokes. Like you you worked with her for 10 years, but like, it's like, what, what's happening here? It's not, it's bad. It's not giving. And I, I honestly can't tell if it's Anthony Anderson. Like he's just coming off Blackish. He real busy. Maybe he has just really spent the time with the script or if the writing is bad but it can't be that because law orders writing is always amazing so i just it's not it's really bad you should watch it because like what else are you gonna do on saturday morning like you should watch it but like i'm saying it's not great i'm hoping it gets better i hope anthony spends a little bit more time with the script he like really leans into it and it gets better but currently it's not great now svu and criminal intent this year have been like keeping me on the edge of my seat i am so stressed out i think that what's his name michael mcdormand like the, the there's a character um on criminal intent i don't think he's dead y'all i think he's still alive he, that car went off that that bridge but they ain't found nobody i am invested as you can see if you are also a fan of law and order you have to hop in my dm so we can talk about how bad anthony anderson is doing in this role um so let's chat it up thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of school and life stay tuned to two episodes of school and life as we're bringing in just high achieving and smart expert women to talk about their expertise on the podcast all month in honor of women's history month share the podcast in your favorite group chat let the girls know that you're listening and they should too thanks so much for listening schools out class dismissed